0: Greetings, everybody. Welcome back to the Classroom 33 podcast. I'm Pastor Dustin here with Steve Prudian. And today we are going to continue to talk about the throne room of God. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the throne itself in that immediate area. Steve, how are you doing this week? Doing good this week. Great. I can actually talk
1: for a few minutes.
0: Well, hopefully you'll be able to carry that on through the conversation. Thanks for the water. That'll help. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. But the Holy Spirit's going to provide you the strength, and that's what really matters. So anyways, um, let's get into this, because we've been talking about the throne room, and like last week, we are in Revelation chapter 4, and... John has come through the door that Jesus opened so that he can actually be in the throne room of God. And John is describing what he sees. We've seen the throne. We've seen the uh, green glow that surrounds it, like a strange green rainbow. And we've talked a little bit about the stones around and the 24 thrones and the elders. Um, Then we get to verse 6. And it says, in front of the throne, there is something like a sea of glass, like crystal. That's quite a visual. And does, it, does it carry a meaning? Almost definitely. And I'm certainly happy to wager a guess at what it means, but... Let's go. I, I, can't, I can't say with any... Let's go. All right. So here we go. If you've got a better... There's, no, there's
1: no wrong answer, actually.
0: Well, I'm sure there's wrong answers, okay, but... But... but uh, anyways. In front of the throne, there is something like a sea of glass. Now, there's a couple of things that come to mind with you to, using the metaphor of sea of glass. Um, you forgot the word Flowing. It's alive. Yeah, like a crystal. Let's see here. The NRSV doesn't say flowing. Interesting. And it's stagnant. God
1: doesn't make stagnant NLT things. NLT says
0: sparkling. NIV says clear as crystal. Um, I'm not actually seeing the word flowing on the ones that I typically look at. You got King James there? I got New King James. What does that say? Uh, Before the throne, there was a sea of glass-like crystal. Be that as it may, Mm -hmm. there are a couple of things that come to mind with this metaphor of a sea of glass. First Mm -hmm. of all, A sea is a large body of water. It's not a puddle of glass. It's not a... It's not a pond. It's not a lake. It's a sea. So I'm... I get the impression it's a very large piece of glass or a large...
1: So what would be the the vantage point of John if he could see how
0: large this is? Well, he's in the throne room. Right. And so he's able to kind of turn and see the expanse. And part of the other thing that kind of comes to mind with that sea is is actually the idea of motion. There is, there is some flow. There is some movement. And... Do seas have waves? They do. They do. They also have clear spots, and they have dark spots, and they have turbulent spots... Do seas usually have life? Yes.
1: Except for one sea that doesn't.
0: The one with too much salt. Right. Right. Um, it says it's like a crystal. And I guess kind of the way that I look at it, I ask the why question probably more than I really should. But I'm me and that's how God made me. And sometimes I ask the why question. Uh, I've had to come to learn that I'm not going to always get an answer to the why question. um, But I do tend to ask it. And so I'm going to ask it here. Why does there need to be a sea of glass on the floor of God's throne room? Why is that there? Ever hear of living water? I have heard of living water.
1: Is there living water in the throne room of God?
0: You would expect there to be.
1: And what did Jesus talk about? Living water. Living water, yes. Okay, and to us, living water is His Spirit. Yep. That's his water to us. Is his spirit. Okay. How do you depict a spirit if you have to depict the spirit physically?
0: Well, it's usually going to be noncorporeal. Anyways, it's not going to be something tangible. Mm-hmm. But is it a pilot? Only, only it- lightly visible, and so there might it might not actually look, you may not actually be looking at it, you're more looking through it, but it just being there um, would change the, would refract and reflect light and kind of give a, almost a floating, a floating puddle, maybe.
1: Now, if the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead, Mm -hmm. could this be how he's presented as part of the Godhead, as the spirit that flows
0: out from God. I think you're exactly right. And part of what I think about when I think of why is that there is God is, God's watching us. God knows. And he's sitting in his throne and he's looking down at earth. But having this sea of glass, he's looking through this glass. And so, is he looking through his own spirit to see us? A spirit that is love? Is he looking down and looking at us as we are washed by the blood and purified in the spirit? And seeing that instead of who we, the, really, who we really are. <laughs> no, he's seeing who we really are. Not the broken, temporary person that I am. Mm-hmm. Right? Because who I am, who God created me to be, is, is a person who loves God perfectly and lives without sin, just like Jesus did. But I'm not that person here. So God, maybe God sees the person he created through the glass, which very well could be his spirit. Represented. Didn't Paul talk about glass? Paul talked a little bit about glass. And what did he say about glass? Not remembering the words right off of the top of my head. He
1: says that today I see through a glass cloudily, not clear, foggy. Okay. Right. Um, uh, how can you say silty is what he was really talking about. Okay, he yeah. Says, he says, but when I see God face to face it'll be like clear glass yep clear glass
0: right yep
1: it's interesting that um, for a sea to be alive what are the two requirements for any body water to be alive what are the two requirements I guess I don't know I don't know A a source of continuous Fresh water Okay And an outlet So it never gets stagnant So the fresh water Can always replace it With more fresh water Okay
0: Not the direction I would have gone So yeah
1: And guess what our Christian lives Are supposed to be
0: Supposed to be a flowing of water
1: Supposed to be a flowing of fresh water Yep If we dam it up the fresh water has no place to come into. Mm-hmm. If the water has no place to come into, where does the water go? It either becomes a flood, right, or it gets diverted, and it finds another direction to go in. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, then you
0: stink. Typically. Like, literally, the town that I lived in um, as a police officer, there was a couple of years where we had really high water, and one year, it got actually to the point where it covered a lot of the county roads, were covered up and partially washed out and it was it was in the hundred year floodplain mm-hmm. and so once that went down the entire county smelled bad for about a week and a half until that started to dry out Mm -hmm. and then when you got close to the water you smelled that all again that damp rot smell from all the grass and the bushes and people's flowers and whatever else that had been submerged underwater that's not supposed to be. It died. And it died. It died. That's what you're smelling was death. Yep. The rot and the decay.
1: It's interesting, of what took the smell away. The light of God, sunlight, fresh air, fresh air took the rot away. Yep, it does. It so, certainly does. If we have to take a look at a sea of glass, okay, and we identify that as the Holy Spirit, what can limit where the Holy Spirit goes? Not a lot. Just hardened hearts. The Holy Spirit will actually even go to a hardened heart. Well, of course. But unfortunately, some hearts remain hard. Some hearts do remain hard. And they don't receive the Holy Spirit. And subsequently, do you know what they look like as people? Those people who have hard hearts who've rejected the Holy Spirit, what do they look like as people?
0: sad and angry
1: miserable people
0: miserable people
1: actually you would say they are people of no hope
0: Mm -hmm. because oh for
1: sure what is our only hope
0: our only hope is in christ the lord our
1: only hope is in christ the lord and what is one of the gifts that christ the lord gives us to encourage us in hope
0: uh, his joy and the peace that passes all understanding,
1: and He talks to us through His Holy Spirit.
0: Yes, He does. And
1: His Holy Spirit doesn't leave us. Nope. So Jesus doesn't leave us. Correct. Aren't you glad you have the Holy Spirit? Would
0: Immensely. you be able?
1: Would you be able to figure out this book, or really hardly any of His teachings, if you didn't have a
0: teacher? Uh, actually. We wouldn't be able to at all.
1: But yet scripture have,
0: even scripture even tells us that without the Holy Spirit, the words written here are foolishness.
1: But yet we have secular universities that use treat the Bible as a textbook. Well, sure and, they do. And you have unbelievers trying to explain it.
0: Sure they do, and uh, they teach that Jesus was a good man. hmm He wasn't God. He was just a good man and a good teacher. And so, and, what does it, uh, so what does
1: it make the book? Uh,
0: well. This is my perspective on it, and I get in trouble every once in a okay. while for saying that. You're not actually going to get mad at me, I don't think. Oh,
1: no, I'm not going to get mad at you. No. I've probably I, heard it all before. You've,
0: you've heard it all before, and you, you're probably going to agree with me, but I do get in trouble for saying this and that if Jesus was just a good person, if Jesus was just another rabbi and another good teacher, then he was, in fact, the most evil person to ever live because of how many people he convinced that he is God good magician good magician fantastic liar and that makes that it makes the bible it makes our book a complete and total farce It makes it a lie if jesus wasn't who he actually said he was and who he is and who he was is the son of god so i i do want to clear <laughs> i have to reiterate I do believe that Jesus is who He says He is, and who the Gospels record Him to be, and who the Bible says He is. But if He is who the secular universities say He is, and He is, He would that would make Him an incredibly evil person.
1: Universities always are supercritical. Sure. So the way a secular university would approach the Bible is, first of all, they would classify it just as a book.
0: Yep. First not, of all, it is a book. Not,
1: not an ordained book, not a sacred book, not a special book. They would just consider it a book. But then they would put it under the classification of Jewish historical philosophy. It's basically from Jews to Jews, mm-hmm. talking about Jews And, of course, Jesus Christ is a Jew. Right. Okay. And invariably, it would excuse those of us who are not Jews from any application of the treatise of this book. So it becomes just information. Right. Um, Not life-changing. No. Not a a God to worship, because the God that's of this book
0: is the Jewish God of this book. Right. Which is... Just evidence that whoever's teaching that does not have the Holy Spirit living in them because the Holy Spirit would absolutely correct that for them.
1: Well, the Bible says that without the Holy Spirit, their eyes their eyes are blind and they don't have any understanding.
0: Right. I'm going to go back to the sea of glass. Okay. Because... And and this is this is just my brain in in a very creative and artistic way is um kinda of pulling things from different places and putting them together and I don't even know if it's a fully fully thought through thought. I like to see what this Lego looks just, like when
1: you get done. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um so I'm I'm gonna ask you a question. Yeah. Can you only see through glass in one direction?
1: No. You can see through both directions if it's glass.
0: If it's glass, well, I can it, say, look it in. says a
1: sea of glass. I can look in and I can look out, two different directions.
0: Right. So can we see
1: into the throne room? Yes, only in the spirit. Not with your human limitation, but only with the allowance of God.
0: I'm this this is this is where the this is where my creativity is kind of coming in and I don't know if this is fully thought through I'll and do, and, I, th- and I and I and I could be completely and totally wrong but I just wanted I want to put it out just as a thought. Let's hear it.
1: Okay. You can be number 7. What if we
0: <laughs> What <laughs> if, <laughs> What if God actually does have certain moments in time where we get glimpses into the throne room through that glass? Physical, non-limited glimpses. Not limited to people with the Spirit or without the Spirit. What if, what if we get glimpses of that? And how did John
1: get there? Right from the beginning of the book, how did John get there?
0: Well oh, he had a vision and he walked through a door with Jesus.
1: He said through the Spirit. The Spirit right. of God.
0: But there's a lot of and this is Again, if if you disagree with me, disagree with me. I'm not trying to say this is theology. This is just my brain being creative. I'll right accept now. imagination. It's a it's a, it's imagination, right? Um but where does imagination come from? Imagination comes from God. So
1: Credible credible thoughts. There's
0: there's well I've I've had and this is where it comes from because I've had the Northern Lights just in my head uh-huh. for for a little while. Right? It's the time of year where the northern lights are incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. Um not typically down in Iowa, but in northern Apparently Minnesota. North, right? Um it's a time of year that if there was northern lights, they'd be very visible and uh, very beautiful. And hearing a story about um, an individual who saw the northern lights and believed it was the rapture and turned around and went home, you know, there's a there's a movement to the spirit in that. And then you look at the description here and it says around the throne is a rainbow that looks like an emerald what color are the northern lights
1: they're typically
0: green so so it's it's a thought experiment more than anything but is it possible that the northern lights are a glimpse through the floor into the throne room my wife but those lights are so bright that that's all we can see my wife would
1: tell you when you these things you see and perceive, she says they are actually glimpses of glory. Only if you give credit where credits
0: due. Right.
1: She says if you tried to explain it away as scientific phenomena, she says you sold it short.
0: Yep. So, anyways, I just I felt like throwing that out there. It's been northern lights have been on my heart. And in my head recently. And there you go. <laughs> every time I see the
1: sunshine. Yes. And every time that the sunshine on a cold day mm-hmm. comes out and rests upon us. Yes. We feel warmer. Mm-hmm. We feel our spirits are lifted. Yes. And when I think of the sun and when I feel that warmth on a winter day. It's like feeling the presence of Jesus. Yes. And the fact is, is, is that it's on those winter's day when the sun comes out and the air is so cold. I just wonder, wonder and marvel about the very gift of the sun to us. Mm-hmm. Because there are days that the sun does not come out. Right. And our whole lives are changed. Mm-hmm. But when the sun does come out, our whole lives have changed in a better way. Right. And you know what? Jesus is the Son who's come out in our life.
0: Yes, He has. And
1: if we keep our eyes upon Him, we'll have a better day. When we look at, we turn our eyes away from Him, we're only going to see the murkiness and the mud of this world. Yep. And it'll have an effect. Yes, it certainly will. I can't imagine the state of mind that the Apostle John was left in after his throne from experience.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know how you would process that.
1: I was talking to Troy this morning. I said, "Troy." I said,, um, "How do you present?" John, when John has to, after all of the wonderful things that he's imagined, not imagined, but has been invited as a guest to see, I says, how do you think John feels when the fullness of the revelation is presented? I says, how do you think he feels when he sees the judgment that the earth is going to be falling under? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Before you get to the end of the book. Right. And he says, Oh, I don't know. I says, you know what? I think that I would have to be really strong in spirit to be able to hear the rest of the story.
0: I I think we all would. And I'm gonna look and see if I can find um Because he's told something that we're not supposed to know. And um, he's given a scroll and he's told to read it and then eat it and not share any of it. So let me look here.
1: Is this the part of the book that was shut up from Daniel? Probably. So now God doesn't want two of His guys to know about it, but not to say anything about it.
0: Right. Yeah, it doesn't say anything about John's state of mind or anything. It does. It does say that the st- the the scroll was bitter, and so
1: well the judgments are very bitter.
0: Yeah, go and take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll, and he said, take it and eat it. It will be bitter to your stomach, but sweet as honey in your mouth. So I took the scroll from the hand and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. Hot burn.
1: Hot burn. Think about it. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Which, you know, when I think about all of this stuff at the end times, there's there's a sweetness in the completion, mm-hmm. but there's a bitterness in the process. In the process, and and there's a bitterness in knowing that that is the. End of the opportunity for salvation. The
1: offer is withdrawn.
0: Yep. And so that's... It's bittersweet. It really is. And uh, definitely causes some heartburn.
1: I heard a discussion just last week about the question... Can people receive salvation during the millennium? And my answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Because of the fact those who were not born under judgment that are born during the millennium will have a choice still whether or not to accept Jesus for who he is or to reject Jesus for who he is.
0: Well at the end of at the end of millennium when the devil's released He has to get believers somewhere then that's the last choosing. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is it's almost an inverted choosing. Right now, we're all subject to sin, but in that millennial kingdom, sin will be locked away. And so all of those people will be truly choosing to reject Jesus, who has been living and ruling over them for a thousand years as a loving and benevolent king. So... But they're not
1: getting their own way as they perceive it.
0: Why reject Jesus? They're going to be... A, you know what, though? They're going to be 100% okay with it until the devil's released. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do the same thing he did with Adam and Eve. And he's going to do the same, and same thing he does with us. Uh-huh. Same thing he does today. He's just going to lie to us and... Confuse us. Confuse us and cloud our eyes, and some people are going to go with him. Well, now let me ask another
1: question. Sure. The people who are born during the millennium, who've never heard about Jesus Christ before, are they born with a soul? No, oh, gosh. Because do Because what is really saved? What is the ultimate thing, the most important thing that
0: has to be saved? Well, people born during the millennium, they're still people. That's right. And so far as I know, nothing has changed.
1: What makes a person alive?
0: The breath of God. The breath of God.
1: And if the breath of God consists of soul and spirit. Right. So, yes, they do have a soul. I I would certainly think so I... a lot of people think that Jesus when Jesus comes back to earth he comes back to earth after the last soul will be saved. Well I got a problem since there's people still being born
0: there's, there's... still people with souls there's still people with souls to be saved
1: right and so I have a problem when people say, well Jesus will come back when a la- when, when God knows the last soul has been saved.
0: And that is, in a certain sense, that's true for the rapture of the church. People will be saved during during that time. Right. People will be saved during the tribulation, but the people saved during the tribulation need the tribulation to be saved. That's exactly right. And so when the last person that will come to Christ without having to go to tribulation comes to Christ mm-hmm. then he can rapture his church and after that the people that are saved need the tribulation to be saved God knows what we need to be saved well the, the Bible and says so, something the Bible says something but
1: we have to really even if with our best minds when we try to get into the depths of it he uses this expression in the right dispensation of time how do we measure time only by the clock and calendar we have. Right. But God says in the right dispensation of whose time? His time. His time. Right. So the answer is, is if we try to put it based upon our earthly framework of time, we're actually limiting what God can do because we're saying you don't have any more time because this is how much time is allotted.
0: Right. And... And it is important to, for us to acknowledge that mm-hmm. as long as people are being born, there is that. There is a choice to be made.
1: Right, because all life comes from God. Yes. And the thing is, is if that you say that if you're born at this point in time, you don't have a soul, you don't have a spirit. Well, reality is, is that you're not alive unless you have a soul and a spirit. Right. Because. The fact is, is that all we are is just basically lumps of clay. Yep. Okay, we're just tissue, until God makes that tissue live.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, let's come back to the throne room. Yeah,
1: let's come back to the throne
0: room. Because there's some, there's some water sports happening. Mm-hmm. There's some activity, going on there's around a, that sea of glass. And there's
1: a water activity.
0: Yep. All right. So, um, first of all, we've got these goofy-looking flying creatures with all their wings and all their eyes. Yeah, we never established what, why they had all so many eyes. I still don't know why they have
1: so many eyes. Why do you have to have eyes in the first place? What the, what the eyes usually indicate? Well, eyes indicate that I can see. Eyes indicate that you have a witness. Okay. You witness with your eyes what you see. All right. Okay, and these creatures have witness. They witness Mm -hmm. the greatness in the throne of God, and they witness everything that's going on around the throne of God. And really, not much escapes them, if anything escapes them. Right. But they're just creatures of God.
0: They're just creatures of
1: God. So, if they. And quite worshipful. But if they see a lot, okay, Mm -hmm. how much more does God see? Infinitely more. So you think you can hide from God?
0: No, there's no hiding from God. No, there's no hiding from God. Never has been, never will be. God is God and God is good and God knows all things and sees all things and... You know, he created everything, so... You know, I think about a computer programmer. They're able to go and look at the code. But where did the code come from? Well, they wrote it. And they can look at it. And they can read it. And they can understand it. And they can see where there's mistakes. And they can see what needs to be changed. And there's none of it that's hidden. Um, you know, painters, artists, sculptors the same way they see not just the painting but they see all the intimate and intricate details they even see it before it's done they do see it before it's done and they see, again, the mistakes and they see um, brush strokes and all those different things. God God sees all that. He sees everything in his creation all the time. Now, it, the difference is we're human. God's God. He doesn't make mistakes.
1: It's interesting that the Bible has a teaching about in your mind's eye. In yeah. your mind's eye. So your mind is seeing, mm-hmm. even though you think you're seeing with your eyes. The reality is, is that your mind is seeing far more than what you're seeing.
0: Right. Yeah, our brain fills in a lot of the gaps. Mhm. Smart guy, huh? <laughs> so we think. So we think. Well, you know, our eyes can deceive us. Ask any sleight of hand magician. Mhm. Our eyes can deceive us and you know, our brain takes that input and puts it together. And creates the image for us. Ever
1: get into an accident that you didn't see coming? Yeah. My wife. Whenever usually that happens, my wife is with me, and she'll say,
0: "Didn't you see that car?" I says, "No." She says, "Well, if I'd have seen the car, I wouldn't have gotten." She says,
1: "She says, weren't you looking?" And I says, "Yeah." Mm -hmm. She says, "How could you have not seen that car?" I says, "I was looking, but my brain wasn't engaged." Or, yeah, actually,
0: (laughs) so I, oh my gosh, my wife got a really, really good laugh at me here a little over a month ago. We were on our way uh, to a friend's to meet up with a group of people to go deer hunting. And we're driving some dirt roads on our way and there's deer in the fields and we see them and it's, Too early to be shooting anyways. The sun hasn't come up yet. It's about to, but it hasn't. And at one point, a deer decides it's going to cross the road and just about runs into my truck and then runs alongside of my truck to the point where it was, had I rolled down my window, I could have reached out and grabbed a hold of the antlers Of what I understand to be a pretty nice looking buck. Mm -hmm. I didn't see any of this. My wife saw all of it. And the guy behind me saw all of it. I didn't see any of it. I was focused. Otherwise, you're thinking about something else. Well, I had the turn coming up. It's a place I've been to a couple of times. I'm not Mm -hmm. super confident in the drive so, so i'm focused, focused on the right. direction i'm right here i got my blinders on mm-hmm. because of my focus my peripheral vision just kind of vanished and uh oh yeah i i'm gonna get grief about that for years but it's you, a, but it's an example i mean we just you're don't no, see you
1: no different than many other human beings Right. Okay, but unfortunately, many other human beings, they have blinders and they can't see God. Yep. Because they're looking at the world. And their focus is on the world and nothing
0: but the world. You know, it's interesting because I think we're all familiar with the idea of tunnel vision. mm mm-hmm. uh, I actually used to know a guy who had the inverse of tunnel vision. He saw, what's? Oh, he could see, he could not see what he was looking directly at. He was blind directly in front of him, and but he could see in his peripheral. So if you were standing have a, having a conversation with him, in order for him to look at you, He'd look out the he side. would turn his head about 45 degrees and look past you in that direction, or at least that's what it looked like. But he was focused on you then with the peripheral from his eyes. Uh huh. He must have learned how to do that. Well, he yeah, he basically had to. I mean, he had to adjust for, for the condition and the blindness. And it wasn't an instant thing. It was an overtime. Do we have to uh,
1: condition ourselves?
0: Degeneration. Do we have well, to
1: condition ourselves to be able to get a better sight of God?
0: Well, that's just kind of what I was thinking, is that the people who aren't seeing God, I don't think it's tunnel vision. I think it's this other thing. I, I think it... You're not able to see the truth that's directly in front of you.
1: Because of all the other stuff that's going and it's, on?
0: And it's it's plain as day. It's right in front of you, but you just don't see it.
1: Well, if you're not looking for it, you're not going to see it.
0: Well, and that's...
1: You're going to only see what you're looking at.
0: Yep. Yep. People focus their blind spot, don't they? So these creatures that can see everything and are witnessing much more than we ever could. Why
1: do they sing? Why do they speak? Well, they and why, they speak. They speak to worship. And why are they so repetitive?
0: Well, what else can you be? First of all, they're saying holy, holy, holy. that's three there's
1: three people on the throne well that there's three entities three on three
0: own. is one of god's numbers three is right. a godly number you know we see that repeated through the bible and what's three, that called? three is the number the trinity the trinity right right three is a one of the repetitions just like 40 and just like seven they're they're numbers that mm-hmm. have that specific meaning and uh in many cases belong to god and that's that's it, right there. Holy, holy, holy. We belong to God. God is holy, holy, holy.
1: Holy God, Holy Son, Holy Spirit.
0: Yep. Fully set apart, fully mm-hmm. above, fully beyond. Yes. The Lord God, the Almighty, who is and was and is to come. There's another Trinity. That's right. Time is another Trinity. In the that past, perspective? present, future. Mm-hmm. And so. And they've seen it all. They've been there from the beginning. And again, it's it's not theological, and it doesn't really make a difference either way, but they have probably seen what the future is, too.
1: Well, the Bible— You know, the,
0: the, all, all, the, uh, all the elders in the throne room, God— Jesus, the saints that live under the altar, these um, seraphim or cherubim or whichever one they are, right? The creatures with the eyes that are singing and worshiping God all the time. They, it makes sense in my mind that not only have they seen the past because they've been there from creation, but God exists out time outside of time and space. It makes sense that his throne room would maybe also exist outside of time and space, and perhaps they've seen the future as well. But with everything that they've seen, and they will see. There's a hint in the Bible. The What's hint that? is
1: that God owns, knows the end from the beginning. Right. So it's already happened. For him. The only issue is, is that we talk about. How many years away are we from the sun, which is our closest star? Right. And those are called light years? Uh-huh. Well, how many how many years are we away from the throne room of God, where that time has already passed? Right. And God already knows the end from the beginning. And we're just in a different spectrum of time than
0: eternity is. Right. And... I don't even think of eternity as having time. If there's no beginning and there's no end, how do you judge the passage of you what's have, in between? You don't have
1: time as the way we calculate it.
0: Right, as, as the way we conceptualize time. It just simply doesn't exist. And But God talks about times. He does talk about times. Sure he does. But the only reason he talks about
1: times is so we can try to understand that there is a limit to it.
0: Well, and it helps us to understand as well having having God explain things to us in the way that we can understand you know if he explained it to us in his understanding, our brains would explode. What is the time of man coming to an end no what is
1: the, what is the time of man he declares he's declared he's changed three times mm-hmm. in the Bible. what is the time of man now and what does God say the the time that God he has established for the life of man.
0: Eternity. Three score and ten. Oh, okay.
1: At one time, it was like almost a thousand. And that was mm-hmm. too long because man be, grew too wicked in that amount of time. Right. Okay. And then he cut it back to 120. Yep. And that was still too long. That's still too long. Right. So he cut it back again. Yep. And here we are today.
0: Absolutely. But
1: then he has another declaration of time during the millennium.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: As, at 100 years old, you're still a child. Yep. So who establishes time? God does. God establishes time. Just a frame of reference for us. Right. You know, I um, when I was younger, and you, you've been younger too.
0: Once upon a time.
1: But in my, in my teenage years, I didn't have a concept of a limit of time. When right. you're a teenager you stay up all night. And you're sure. able to go the next day. Time is not an objective. Okay, you can you can get a whole lot done on half the amount of sleep when you're young.
0: When you're young. When you're young. Now just thinking about it makes me tired. Right. And but what happens
1: is 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 that subsequently you're so busy with life mm-hmm. you ignore the life giver. Yes. And the thing is, is is that God has to call our attention to his presence, who he is, and who we are. Right. And you know what? It takes a lot to humble us when we want to basically be in control of our own lives. Right. And you know what? God has a sense of humor. His sense of humor is he says, okay, have at it. Mm Mm-hmm. And you know what? I don't know any human being who hasn't screwed up something. No, I've screwed up lots. And so there comes a point in time where you say, Uncle, Uncle God, I can't figure it out. I, I'm in a mess. Yep. Bail me out. You know, and in, and in his graciousness,
0: mm-hmm. it
1: isn't exactly the kind of prayer that would be classified as a great aid prayer before the throne. New. no. But because God is merciful, He'll take you up on that.
0: Well, and when it comes to prayer, what really matters? God's response, God's
1: will. I,
0: I was thinking from his perspective, what matters is he wants to our, call us unto heart. Himself. Right. But the our, thing is, our per, our our posture is our heart posture is really what's expensive. Well, with me, it important. was the
1: fact is, do you? Acknowledge that I am real, that I exist, mm-hmm. and I have to honestly say I don't know. I says, but I says you got to give me a chance to find out. Mm-hmm. I says that's you've been you've been prohibited information in my life.
0: Yep. So these creatures, with all their eyes and all their witness. Are still praising and worshiping God at this moment at this at very this moment, moment right, right now that's what they are doing and it really helps to put into perspective when you talk about it being the seeing and being the witness because there's only so much that I can see only so much that I can witness and I don't see everything, and I'm certainly not seeing it from the angle that God's looking at it from. But these beings are in heaven. Been there forever. See not everything, but from a human perspective, a lot more we than can go, we do. from a human perspective, we can go ahead and say they see everything. <laughs> and they're still worshiping God. So So it's really kind of inspirational for me, even right in this moment, to think that I need to forget about what I do see and remember how much I don't see. And then go praise God. Because he deserves it either way. And I said before, I like to ask the why question. I'm a why guy. I like to know why. But I don't always get to know why. And even when I don't know why, I need to praise God, and I need to worship Him, and I need to cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Because that's what it's all about. It's, it's all about Him anyways.
1: There's a song. If you think about the first refrain of the song. The song is called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the things will draw strangely dim. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and then you won't be looking at the things of this world. Right. And what do we have yeah, to look so at when right. we look at Jesus? The song goes on to say we have to look on his wonderful face in order to experience his wonderful grace.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Unfortunately, some faiths focus on the scars that he bears instead of looking upon his face, looking at his eyes.
0: Right. And... Yeah, it's just, it's hard how much, it's hard when we think about how frail we are in our understanding and in our doing right and how easy it is to screw up.
1: Do you know when I see a crucifix and I see the bleeding Jesus and the scars that were laid upon him? Mm-hmm. I see myself there. Okay. He's wounded for what? My transgressions. But sometimes we don't understand when we look at those things. Jesus didn't need to be wounded for my transgressions. He willingly took the wounds from your and my transgressions and any of us who will believe upon him.
0: Right. But the thing is, is we like to
1: hold our wounds. We like to nurse our wounds, and we don't need to nurse our wounds because it was done once for all, and that was it.
0: Right. Well, and that's the—we do walk on a narrow path. Jesus said that narrow is the gate and difficult the way that leads to life, and uh, you know it's on either side of the road, a ditch. Mm -hmm. And if we don't stay on the road, we end up in the ditch. And there's two ditches, one on each side. And one of them is the ditch that I call hyper-grace, where we forget that which needs to make us reverent. And we just do whatever we want because God's going to give us grace anyways. And Paul talked, wrote something about that to the Romans. But he tells the us not,
1: not to misuse your liberty. Right. Because where does it lead you? back into bondage.
0: Yeah. And that's not a permanent bondage, but it's a pretty horrible consequence to live on mm-hmm. this side of eternity. And on the other side is the ditch that leads to legalism. And that's where we nurse our wounds and that's where we lick our wounds and hold on to them and hold on to hurts and hold on to pains and judge wrongly uh the people that are around us and um those are both really easy traps to fall into.
1: You know, a lot of people say that Christians are mean-spirited. Some of them are. And do you know why they say that? Because,
0: because they they they're in the ditch.
1: Well, it's because they basically heap legalism, more bondage onto people rather than freedom.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I was talking to a guy just the other day who. Uh, has had a really, really hard life and grew up in a church and continued to go to that church as a young adult and had a child out of wedlock but decided, I'm going to raise my child to be in the church. And so he brought his kid to church. And a pastor at the church approached him and said, you're not married. You can't bring your kid here.
1: I never heard of that before. Kid has nothing to do with being married. Still the kid.
0: You, you've got a child out of wedlock. You're living in sin. You don't belong here.
1: Shouldn't, shouldn't inflict that upon a child.
0: Shouldn't inflict that upon the adult either.
1: No, but especially the child.
0: Right. And... uh
1: you withholding truth from a child, and that's wrong.
0: That's very wrong. And so it, it's just a—I mean, it's a true story, but it's a cautionary tale
1: mm-hmm.
0: of we need to get over ourselves, come back to the cross, and cry out, holy, holy, holy.
1: I don't think this pastor knows who Jesus is.
0: Well, that's not for me to say.
1: I know, but based upon what his conduct was, what he said, he is not being Jesus.
0: I would fully agree with that part of the statement. Yes.
1: What does the Bible say about children? Don't suffer any. Don't of them. suffer not, them to come to me. Not to come to me. Yep. Right. Because then, what is the pronouncement if you do?
0: You wish you never did. You. Yeah. <laughs> Better to tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself into the sea. I don't think that was not, that. That, was a, that that was a different, but that same. must
1: have been before cement shoes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, we got a little somber there. All right, let's uh, let's wrap it up here. Yes. What did we learn about? The Sea of Glass,
1: the Sea of Glass, and the and the flying angels, and the flying angels, the cherubim is, I guess, the, is what it the says. The cherubim, cherubim. Okay, yeah. Okay, and what are the two groups of angels in heaven? There's two groups.
0: The cherubim and the seraphim. That's and right. And I get them confused all the time.
1: Okay, and um, the thing is, is, is is that they have one job and one job only.
0: Yes, they do. Okay,
1: does that mean, as uh, born again believers, as Christians, that God has given us a job? Well,
0: he's—yes, he's given us a job. What what is our job? Our job is to worship him.
1: Right. And now if we follow Christ, what are we supposed to do? Worship him. Be like Christ. Be like Christ. Right. Yep. Be like Christ. And all too often, people go to church, but they don't know they're supposed to go to church to—
0: Be like Christ. Be like
1: Christ. So they worshiped, Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: they didn't have any takeaway. They had no practicum. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, they didn't take what they learned back out of out of the church, out to the streets and into their workplaces. Right. And the uh, word of God says, and how will they know, unless you talk to them? They won't know unless you talk to them. They won't know. But we're afraid to talk to talk about them. Why are we afraid to talk about them?
0: Because. Weirdo? Wh- Weirdo? <laughs> well, that's. That's it. That's just it. Um, we get afraid to talk to people about things because we become more concerned with what the world thinks about us than what God thinks about us.
1: And who determines the outcome?
0: Oh, we already know that's God. God determines the outcome. I, I fall into this, too. I've fallen into this trap as well um, you know of that? not of not wanting to be the weirdo not wanting to be the bible thumping guy not wanting to be viewed in that negative light from the world's perspective and i know i know that god's is the only opinion that really matters not even other church people god's is the only opinion that really matters he's the person i really don't want to offend yet i do stupid things and i and i, have- I read and i reject Things that I know I'm supposed to do and I don't do things or I do things I know I'm not supposed to from time to time. And I will just say it really kind of sucks being human some days.
1: The most poignant question or the most important question that I have been asked. Yes. And it took some time because it set me back. Because I had to think about it Because the question was so serious in its implication That I refrained from giving a quick answer Okay This is a question asked by God In one time, at a period of time in prayer God interrupted my prayer Okay With this question And the question is, as he says, tell me What have you done with my son? This is a trick question.
0: (laughs) It is. (laughs) But he he, he wanted
1: the truth. But the reality was he asked that question to reveal to me that I haven't done enough with his son. Right. So the next time he asked that Mm question— I would have had the time, and I don't have an excuse.
0: Right. Absolutely. All right. Next week. Mm Mm-hmm. We're still talking about the throne room. Number four. And we're into lesson number four and angels and angel stuff and a whole bunch of stuff about angels. Mm Mm-hmm. It sounds amazing. It is. Anyways, until next week. Till next week. Thanks for coming in, Steve. My pleasure.